Hello, Top Fan Rivalry followers. It is Bill from Top Fan Rivalry, and I got some of my favorite guys on, guys that are Southsiders, guys that just love the uh, the White Sox. They've been on before. I'm excited to have them. We've been talking offline, and we can do that all night, but we thought we'd record a podcast, too. So, Matt and Chris, how are you guys doing tonight? We're doing great. Uh, thanks for having us on. We appreciate it. Uh, we had a blast last time, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we have just as much fun uh, tonight. Uh, we better if we don't that we did something wrong. <laughs> All right. So before we get started, Top Fan Rivalry followers, just wanted to remind you again to go to topfanrivalry.com on the front of the website, click on that watch party pink, and then tell us um, if you want to go to a watch party, which ones. We actually have one booked at the 27th of this month, March, uh, Dodgers Angels uh, rivalry game. It's booked in Fountain Valley, California. We got a meet and greet that we're going to do in Phoenix, Arizona. When we're out there, we've got a entire brewery that we rented out for an angels A's game on the 1st of April, which that should be a lot of fun. We've got uh, something booked out for a Mets uh, Braves game in Atlanta, a Houston game in Houston. We've got uh, Philadelphia. We're working on Chicago. We're working on New York. We're working on, and we're wrapping up in Boston. Not to say that we're not going to uh, cover L.A., San Francisco, and San Diego as well. So lots of good times. Fellas, enough of the commercial. Please pinch yourselves, wake yourselves up, whatever you got to do. I mean, I see Matt over there snoring. You guys can't see him, but he's sitting there <laughs> snoring. So it's a, it's okay. So, Matt, since you're awake, I'm going to ask you the first question, and then, Chris, I'm going to go to you with the same question. What do you think about the White Sox signings this offseason? Um, so they they – had a, a somewhat of a complete team already here that struggled last year went 500 they had a few holes to fill uh mainly left field second base and another starting pitcher they signed all those positions um so i'm, I'm kind of happy with that uh the clevenger thing was kind of messy and still is kind of messy but it looks like he's kind of cleared to play by the mlb this year so maybe that'll end up being a pretty good signing um they have they, the biggest signing, the, their co biggest contract they've ever given to anyone was uh, Andrew Benintendi. He's going to be playing left field. He's going to be a much better glove than what they had out there. He's a left-handed hitter, which the White Sox seem to always need left-handed hitting. Um, so he kind of fills the spot really well. Uh, and then Ellis Andrews uh, going to play second base. He came in at the trade deadline last year and hit the cover off the ball. Um, like it really like rejuvenated his career coming to the South side. And um, he seems like he's going to be like a team leader. So I'm pretty, pretty excited about um, him at second base. Nice. Yeah. The um, And if boys, if you end up having Clevenger on your show at any point, can you ask him to use the bathroom before he goes out in the field to pitch? Because it looks like he's got to go pee before every pitch, huh? I mean, either that or... I think he's. A, I think it's a balk now. I think he has to change the way he throws. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Hold it, you've already moved towards the plate fourteen times. I'm just going to call the balk right now. We're going to save ourselves some time, <laughs> right? Clevenger's ERA is going to be like five point oh without even throwing a pitch. So it's going to be brutal. <laughs> Chris, what were your thoughts about the offseason pickups? Um, I kind of agree with Matt. I think the White Sox did everything they, they needed to do. And um, one isn't necessarily a, a, you know, free agent signing, but, you know, finally being able to call up Oscar Kolosk in right field. Um, people should really have an eye on him. He is an absolute beast at the dish. Um, eats right-handers alive and has a cannon. So 
Like the corner outfield spots for the White Sox was a huge issue last year. Worst defense in baseball. I think they were like a minus 27 defensive run saved combined between Sheets and, and Vaughn. And like just Ben Attendee and Cole Oster and fix that tremendously. They're going to be a way better team just because of those two. And they don't even lose Vaughn in the lineup. You know, he goes over to first in the national position. And I think his power numbers are going to go from 17 home runs last year to probably closer to 30 because he's not running around in the outfield every day. Good call. Good call. Um, we'll go back to one of the, the, uh, the key components here for a second, kind of go off script, but I'm curious to see, I guess, Chris, I'll ask you this first and then I'll go to you, Matt, on this. Um, what were your thoughts about losing, um, Jose? Um, I, I mean, I kind of hate to say it, but I think it's addition by subtraction at this point. Vaughn was ready to go to first, um, Jose's on the other end of 35 and like it hurt it hurt the White Sox more trying to figure out how to put Jose and Vaughn in the lineup every day sticking Vaughn out in right field than it will with Jose being on a different team and Vaughn at first I love Pito he's one of my favorite White Sox so always will be one of my favorite White Sox but like the the clock kind of ran out and how the team was constructed constructed didn't have a spot for him anymore and you can blame Rakan or Jerry or Tony or whoever, but that's just the situation the White Sox were in. And I think they're a better team today than they were at the end of the last season. Yeah. I, it's an interesting point, Matt. Uh, go ahead. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I'm kind of going to go and agree with Chris here on that. He kind of didn't fit on the team anymore. The White Sox allegedly did offer him a contract and he felt insulted by it. Um it, and it was probably like a home, they tried to give him a, get a hometown discount or whatever on him. He signed a pretty huge contract with the Astros, so I don't think the White Sox had any chance of even competing with that offer. Um, but the, the position, you know, first base DH guys, the White Sox have too many of those guys. They have tons of those guys coming up. They have tons of those guys on the team currently. Um, and the way it was structured last year, they they got stuck playing first baseman out in the outfield to get all their bats in the lineup. And it was a, it was a catastrophe. It was some of the worst fielding I've ever seen in a baseball game, like just routine, routine flies becoming hits and, you know, singles becoming doubles and doubles becoming triples over and over again, all game. I think he just, um, he had to go, but you know, we, we loved him here his whole career. You know, he was kind of the heart and spirit of the team and, huge fan favorite and I loved watching him play and loved the way he played uh but you know he just didn't really fit on the roster anymore so it's funny that uh you mentioned that because uh, another top fan rivalry follower who's a White Sox fan had said the thing that drove him nuts last year is he had so many players playing out of position that it hurt the defense and it and he said at one point they'd even became unwatchable because it was just that bad and you know it's one thing when you when you're playing little league baseball and you play first base and third base and shortstop and catcher and, and part of the outfield, but it's a whole different thing when you're playing against professional athletes and doesn't matter. So a good call, man. I like that. And it, it was both corner outfielders. Most games, yeah. they, they just, it was really bad. <laughs> I wasn't going to play... mention the positions, but yeah, that's exactly what he said. <laughs> so. And when hey, you it's... play against teams like Cleveland, that go first to third all the time. They ate – I mean, they just ate the White Sox alive. Any ball that dropped in right field, Quan or Ramirez or Rosario, whoever was on first 
was going to end up on third base and then inevitably another run comes across and White Sox lost how many games to the Guardians four to three two to one five to four because the corner outfields just let people run on them all the time yeah and you kind of know when there it's kind of like a boxer right when you see a weak spot you just continue to just pump the jab into the eye or whatever until that eye closes it's you kind of get that and yeah I trust me I I can feel your pain on a number of Dodger fronts over the years trust me I if I listed off the early 2000s lineup most of the guys (laughs) I listed off unless they played for the White Sox you go who's that yeah that's what we were saying here in LA too it was kind of like uh in major league who are these guys Um, I will tell you the people in Houston, the, a lot of the folks I talked to in Houston are excited that Jose came over, but it was really tough for them because they really love Yuli. And and I, I keep having to tell them, hey, listen, Yuli's amazing, but Robert is younger and he's got some more Pedro in the tank than Yuli. I think Yuli's 38 or 39. So, yep. I mean. And so I mean, with the with Abreu, if he finds the power again i mean he didn't have any last year he only hit 15 home runs which is uncharacteristic of him um but that's one of the reasons i was not so upset with him leaving is he may have lost some of that power in the swing but if he gets that back that's a a great signing by the astros yeah yeah absolutely um so matt i think we're up on uh on you next um is what do you think about the uh what do you think about spring training so far for for the Sox? and then chris i'm gonna ask you the same thing um, they look like a professional baseball team, at least. So um, last year, you know, they had like a zombie for the manager um, and they they kind of reflect that they look lethargic. They didn't look like they were uh, really putting in professional at bats and professional just, you know, being a pro out there. And it seems like uh, there's a little bit more of pep in the step, a little more urgency out there. Um, I know that I've seen some things on Twitter where they're doing like fundamental call calling for fly balls calling for pop-ups that you just never saw last season um it seems like there's just way more attention to detail um and i I think that comes from the new manager yeah that's uh, amazing they're playing the game right Hmm. amazing how that happens what do you think chris i agree with that i mean they they look how they should have last year um i mean i don't put a whole lot of stock in spring training because Every time somebody does something good, everybody says, oh, they're going to do that all season. And then, you know, if Dylan were to go out and get shelled, people would say, well, he was just testing two new pitches. So, you know, you won't see that all year. Every Everything bad automatically won't happen again. So I am – I'm excited about the team, though. I'm more excited to see, like, Robert and Tim, like, where they're actually going to fit in the lineup and, you know, seeing, like, how aggressive they're going to be on the pace pass because a lot of that – with the rule changes and strategy, I don't think we're seeing yet. I don't think we'll see it this spring training because of the World Baseball Classic, but I mean, the White Sox look, they look like a baseball team again. And that's, you know, what I'm most excited about. Wait a second, wait a second. There were some rule changes I didn't hear. No, I'm just saying. Oh, no, no, just like, uh, I don't know. Pitchers can take as much time as they want now. They said minimum <laughs> at least one minute between pitches. So I'm watching the World Series last year, and I won't mention uh, the name of the pitcher, but Vasquez. Um, and uh, literally, I got up and went to the kitchen to make something. My wife's like, you never miss a pitch. I'm like, I got 20 minutes before this guy throws the next <laughs> <Yeah. pitch." laughs> 
<laughs> no, I like it. He's a good pitcher, but it was just like touch the arm, touch the. I'm like, what do I got? No more pitching now. What's going, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> Woo, this no more. Take his entire run. uniform off, and put it back on every single every single pitch. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if he starts toe tapping, I'm going to say you're no more. Um. Okay. So so here's a good question, and and, and Chris, I'm going to start with you on this one. Okay. So here's a good question. What do you think about the AL Central on the, uh, you know, as it sits right now? And what do you think your chances of the White Sox winning the AL Central? Now, you haven't played one game, and on paper, you know, paper means nothing, right? But what do you think of the Central Division this season? And then what do you think of your chances of winning it? And then, Matt, I'm going to ask you the same question in a second. I think the White Sox have a really good chance at winning it. I think it's going to be really tight between Cleveland and Chicago. I think they're going to run away with like kind of away from everybody else with the lack of division games played this year. Um, I was actually doing like record predictions over the weekend. I had the White Sox at like 94 wins, Cleveland at 90. Um, I think some of those games that Chicago, the White Sox lost last year against like Kansas City and Detroit and the Twins and even Cleveland are replaced by playing the Reds and Pittsburgh and like all these really bad teams that they didn't see last year. Like they saw the Dodgers last year. They saw Houston last year. They saw the Yankees last year, you know, so they're going to have, you know, a, I think it's going to be down to like the last weekend, but I think they have a really good shot at winning it like 70, 75%. Okay. I like that. I'm going to ask you a follow-up question in a second, but, uh, but Matt, take, take your shot at this question. Yeah. Um, kind of similar to what Chris is saying, but I, I think the White Sox are going to run away with the, with the central division. I, I think it was a fluke last year. Um, they all played horrible. They all had terrible at bats. They all defended terribly. The entire team was horrible. Tons of injuries, and they still won 81 games. So they went 500 in a, probably their worst case scenario um, that you could think of. Uh, they've balanced the lineup out with a lot of left-handed hitters and switch hitters, which they really, that's something they've, they've always kind of struggled against right-handed pitchers um, just because they didn't have the lineup balance and that they'll have that um, pretty, pretty well this, this season. Um, I think, uh, I think they'll win the division uh, pretty handedly. I'm not impressed with um, what the twins did in the off season. Um, I don't think the Royals are, are they going to be there? I don't think the Tigers are going to be there. Um, it'll be, you know, two, two horse race, Cleveland and, and the White Sox. And I think the White Sox just have a better team than the the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, um, the White Sox, you know, people will say, will bring up the AL Central is not a tough division and the White Sox, you know, should win that. The White Sox have traditionally struggled against their AL central rivals. They've always had trouble against the guardians and the twins. Um, so I'm kind of glad they're going to play them less because um, it seemed like, you know, tradition is to really cough up some games. You should win against them. And, you know, we'll be playing, hopefully, you know, they, they have a good uh, interleague play record um, traditionally. So I'm, I'm excited for the kind of more balanced schedule. I like it too. And I, I got it. I got to tell you, we're going to do a predictions podcast. Both of you boys will be on it. There will be about 20 people on there. So it'll be, it'll be unique. Let me tell you. But um, so I won't tell you who I think is going to win the central, but I think you guys are both spot on on some of the things that you say. I think the twins are funny because when have you ever asked a girl out when you were in high school to a dance? She said, yes. And you said, just kidding. Let me ask this girl out. No, just kidding. 
then ask the third girl out. And how excited is the third girl to go out with you? That's what the <laughs> twins got with, I'm not going to name names, but Carlos Correa, right? <laughs> so, like, that's got to be fun in the clubhouse. And so, Chris, I'm going to ask you a follow-up question. Matt, chime in on this, too. I'm going to ask you a follow-up question on this. Chris, I agree with you in the sense that now you're playing teams that are, quote unquote, we'll say rebuilding, right? So we don't have to say, well, they're really not all that awesome. But you're going to play Miami. You're going to play D.C. this year. You're going to play the Nationals. Um, you're going to play the Pirates. You're going to play um, the Cubs, maybe not struggling as much, but you're going to play the Reds. You're going to play the Diamondbacks. You're going to play the the um, the Rockies. So you're going to play the teams that are struggling. I understand where you're saying at 94 wins because of that. Is it conceivable, two-part question, is it conceivable that you could win the division with 85 to 88 wins? And number two, is it a win-or-go-home scenario? Meaning, do you have to win the division because of Seattle and Houston and everything that's going on in the American League East in order to get to the dance? Or do you think that you could be a wild-card team coming out of the Central? Go ahead, Chris. Um I think they're – I mean, I don't think it's conceivable to, for the White Sox to be at 86, 85 wins. I think they're going to be at 90 minimum. And I say that because, like, the past – I think excluding 2020, you can kind of throw that out. Since 2017 on, they had a losing record against the Royals. Like, the Royals just always had the White Sox number every season. And now, conceivably, you could say four of those losses are going to turn into wins against D.C. and Pittsburgh and – Cincinnati and same thing with like a couple losses against Detroit and the twins and the guardians. You're not seeing these teams that know you, your weaknesses inside and out. And like at some level, I get it. They're all professional athletes and they're all prepared the same, but like, unless you see a team 19 times a year, you don't know them that well. And talent kind of just takes over, you know? And so that I, I, I mean, when it go in, winner in, or winner go home with the Central. No, I think the White Sox could be a playoff team. I think they're going to be between 95 and 90 wins. Um, so I think the Central are going to ultimately put two teams in the playoffs, depending on Cleveland. Um, and I think the AL East is going to beat themselves up a little bit more than they did last year. Interesting. Okay, I, I like that. I like that. What do you think, Matt? I think the path is a little bit tougher to make the playoffs as a wild card team. Um, just there's a lot of good teams out there. Um, I think that they, the White Sox probably need to win the division uh, to get in. And I, I, I think they will. I, I, I really do. But, you know, <laughs> I've been wrong before. <laughs> well, the, I guess, you know, to me, it, and again, I'm not going to say who my favorite is to win this division, although I've said that I've agreed with you. So you boys can put two and two together there. <laughs> Regardless if we all went to public school or not, you can go to you can figure this all out. <laughs> but I will say the in order for Chris's prediction to come true, the Mariners have to have a bad season because if the Mariners play like they did before, you're going to get Houston and the Mariners out of the West. Um, you'll probably get the Yankees uh, out of the East for sure. I, you know, again, this is all on paper, right? But you're going to get the Yankees out of um, the East. You're probably going to see Toronto uh, make a huge push, but nobody sleep on Baltimore. I think Baltimore is that team that is young and scrappy. I, I'm not overly confident that um, 
I'm not really confident to see the Red Sox there. Right. Um, you know, so it's, there's a lot of moving part uh, pieces to that. And Tampa Bay always puts together a good team always on, on about $130,000 a year in payroll. <laughs> and so these guys are playing for beer money. It sounds like, you know, half of these contracts and things, but so it, it just, Chris, I don't disagree with you. I'm just going to, I, I kind of think the way Matt is, it's, it's weird. It's going to be a little bit harder of a, of that transition, I think, because it's, it all depends on how Seattle. Now, if Seattle does what Seattle typically will do, right? Your path is, you know, yours and the Guardians' path is clear. But we'll see. I mean, Seattle made again, some noise last year, and uh, yeah. that center fielder can play. So, oh my gosh, J. Rod, that kid can play. So, we'll see how that that plays itself out. But again, on paper, if you look at it, I, I mean, you go back to your 2005 World Series. You guys weren't the best team on paper starting the season out, right? And so anything can happen. Oddly enough, maybe Zach Granke pushes the Royals to 87 wins and they sneak a spot into the play. Who knows, right? You you know, you never know. And it it's those teams that just get hot at the right time. But in order for, for the White Sox, Dodgers, whoever – to get into the playoffs, they need to beat up on the weaker teams. You cannot, you know, now that you're only going to play the Tigers, I think, eight times and the Royals eight times or something, like that, you can't go four and four against those teams. You got to go six and two. It just, those are games you have to win. So I agree with you, Chris. I totally agree with you. I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. It's, I just, it's, baseball's going to be so much fun this year. I agree. I just think there's a real possibility where we're sitting at the end of September and the AL East has four teams with 86 wins. And that's what's going to hurt them. Because mm-hmm. I I think the bottom of the AL West and the bottom of the AL Central are going to fall out. And the oh, yeah. AL East is going to be a really, really tight race. And then just two teams from the East, from the West and the Central are going to sneak in because they have 90, 90, 90, 91 wins because they didn't the bottom three teams of their division didn't beat up on the top as much. Like it's... Bingo. I mean, that that's the only division in baseball, though, and I hate to admit this. I mean, as a Dodger fan, this is hard for me to swallow this and say this. That's the only division in baseball this year that all five teams could be playoff contenders, right? You don't have in the National League East because Washington is not going to contend and Miami's not going to contend. You don't have it in either one of the central divisions, because the Reds and the Pirates aren't going to contend. Royals are probably not going to contend. Tigers are definitely not going to contend. Right. You don't have it in uh in either of the West divisions. Like it is legit the only division. And so, Chris, you nailed that perfectly. And it all comes out to baseball IQ and fundamentals, right? If you have baseball IQ and you can do the fundamentals in April, then you're going to play in October. But it's that missing the sign, missing the cutoff guy, the, the very basic stuff that you, the three of us have been practicing since we were five years old. <laughs> right. I mean, it sounds silly, but you got a runner on second and you hold him at third, but you miss the cutoff man and the ball goes rolling away and that winning run gets in. You let three of those happen in a month. It's three losses. You're in tr- trouble. You're in trouble. So it's all basic. I, I have a good friend of mine who always 
uh, tells me, stop talking about baseball IQ. No, that's the game. It's has not, I mean, how many times do, I don't know if you guys get mad like I do, but I want to throw something on my, my TV, but I don't want to have to buy a new TV. How many times do you see a guy come up when the pitcher has thrown seven balls in a row, walked a batter and then walked another batter on four balls. And then the next guy comes up and swings at the first pitch Yeah, yeah. for the love of everything decent and holy. You take that. I don't care if it's your dream pitch. Take that pitch. You've just watched him walk two batters in a row. <laughs> you got to take it. You have to. I mean, it's just baseball IQ, right? So I love it. Isn't the Dodgers prospect doing that in the spring training? He hasn't swung yet. And he just people can't throw him a pitch. Hand. He hurt his hand. Oh, yeah. Yeah, cool. he took a – when he was fielding ground balls the second day in, um, he – his throwing hand got mixed up in his glove and he took a ball off like the pinky or something like that. So they don't want him really swinging in competition, which is actually good because he was kind of a free swinger. So now he just gets up and just watches pitches. It's crazy. Absolutely nuts. So, but what can you do? That's I pretty mean, interesting. Getting but I mean, at least he's getting like the live, swing. the live, you get the live at bat still. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, but, at bats, four walks. Guys can't throw him a strike, and they know he's not going to swing. They tough. can't hit the zone. I I got to tell you, I got to tell you, boys. I'll take the league minimum for standing up there and just taking three strikes. No problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sign me the seven hundred twenty million or whatever it is. Bag on. <laughs> I can do this, coach. Watch this. I think I'd be too scared. Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> for seven hundred twenty thousand, you'll be fine. Yeah, I could probably yeah. stand in there. A couple bumps and bruises. Who cares? <laughs> so awesome. All right. So final question, Matt. I'm going to start you off with this. What are you most excited about about the 2023 season? Now, um, obviously, so... obviously, I know it's a bounce back year for you guys, and I know that you guys have a lot. You don't have a manager that's going to fall asleep in the middle of the game in the dugout. <laughs> that's what it looks like so, at least so far. So, what are you most excited about, Chris? You're going to wrap us up by telling us what you're most excited about. What's Matt's done? So what what I'm most excited about is a specific player in right field, and and Chris mentioned him earlier, and it's Oscar Colas. Um, I think he's going to be a good, a very good player, and he's got left-handed power. He's a a decent fielder. He's got a rocket ship arm. Um, he really fits a hole that the Sox had in right field, and he's a left-handed hitter. And just if you've been a White Sox fan for you know the past maybe 20 years. They've been searching for left-handed hitters forever, um, forever. And they could never get – I mean, we had Jim Tomey for a couple of years, but, like, between – before that and after that, just there's no left-handed power on the team. And I think he he does, he checks that box. Um, he's a free swinger, so he's probably going to strike out a lot. But um, it kind of seems like just across the league, teams don't really care if you strike out so much um, as long as you're putting up power numbers. And I think he'll be able to do that. He's – he, when he hits the ball, he hurts it, and uh, I'm excited to, to see him. Nice. I like that. What about you, Chris? Um, mine is kind of on the pitching staff. It's two pitchers in, in general. Dylan Cease, I think, is going to win the AL Cy Young this year, and I think he's going to run away with it, especially with Verlander leaving for uh, New York on the NL side of things. And um, this one I wasn't excited for originally, but with what happened to Liam Hendricks, which is – Really, really sad. Um, I think the natural choice for closer this year for the White Sox is going to be Bernardo Lopez, and he is 
if you haven't read his story, anybody listening to this, go read it because he was a up and down starter, like a failed starter, got sent to the minors, worked on adding a pitch, came back up and has been lights out. So like, you know, ninth inning in early October against Cleveland and like Ray Lowe closes out to women division, I think would be just a perfect storyline for him and for like the White Sox. So I'm excited to see him kind of get a shot closing out games and Dylan Cease just, you know, can 250 guys this year. Good call. I love Dylan Cease. I watched him play, uh, pitch against the Dodgers last season, and I was texting my buddy, who the other White Sox fan I was telling you about. I was texting him the whole game, and I'm like, man, I sure hope we don't – because my prediction last year was Dodgers-White Sox in the World Series. And I told him, I'm like, man, I hope I'm wrong because this boy can pitch. And in a best-of-seven series, you see him two or three times. This kid can really, really pitch. But yeah, he can spin it. He can spin it. Yeah, I was pitching baseball last year. His slider, statistically yeah. the best pitch in all of baseball, which is insane. Yeah, if he gets his walks down, he's going to be like a Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Fame type of guy. Yeah, the uh, I have his rookie card up on the lo- in the locker room area, and I've had a couple people saying, "Okay, uh, so how do I get this?" And I'm like, <laughs> I looked it up. What it's worth, I'm discounting it almost half. Just go purchase it, and hopefully he does as well as he can. And, Chris, like you said, now that Kate Upton is pitching for the Mets, um, you don't have to worry about that scenario. <laughs> and so that will work out well because you know nobody's coming out to see Justin. They're coming out to see Kate in the Everybody. Jersey, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, there's not one person on this podcast that's saying, I can't wait to see Justin Upton or Justin uh, Verlander. They're looking and going, hey, Kate Upton's in the stands. Giddy up. <laughs> my brother Sorry, just if you ever hear this i'm just joking brother i really am hey <laughs> <laughs> anyways top fan rivalry followers this is chris this is matt they're great guys i i love talking with you guys you guys are fantastic we're going to get you on again there's a couple of other podcasts i want to get you on on in in april and may so we'll definitely have you on again and the predictions podcast so fellas please tell me you're going to join me again no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, this is a total pleasure. We really love coming on and it's always a blast. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you, fellas. And Top Fan Rivalry followers, don't forget topfanrivalry.com. Go to the watch party, click the button. We we need to know how many people are coming so we know what to plan for, right? And don't forget also to access the locker room because in there we have two shows, soon to be three shows, plus sporting news every day that's up there, plus all kinds of fun articles. So let's not get silly. Let's just get in there and read them and comment on them. And so we just love having everybody there. So fellas, we'll have you on again. Thanks for laughing at my jokes. This has been (laughs) fun. Thanks for making me laugh. Sorry, Justin. I meant to say that you're pitching for the Mets, not Kate, but Hey, come talk to me. We'll figure it all out. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Top fan, right? Followers.